sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today, hour two of our show, where fans of the New York Jets are going to be up in arms this week because there's a chance... They may have a better shot to win as Sam Darnold is back on the field this week, Joe. And I know that doesn't make Jets fans happy. They're all in this tank mode at this point. It's been a very disappointing season. Jets 0-6, 0-6 against the spread. Going up against Buffalo this week in a situation where there are going to be two touchdown favorites by the time the game kicks off. But yet, Sammy D could be back on the field. And when he is, it gives the, the Jets a better chance to win. Well, certainly a better chance to win, uh, a good chance to win. That that is the question, or whether it is nobler for the Jets to tank for an entire season or to take arms against other teams and try to be competitive is going to be very difficult. There's no doubt about that. But I, I'm happy because Sam Darnold was my third quarterback in a couple of leagues and super flexes, and I thought, hey, it could be worse than Sam Darnold, right? And then he got hurt, and I was like, oh god, I hope I have him for at least a couple of these weeks coming up here. So I'm glad about that news. That makes me feel better. But look, he's got Perryman now, too. He's got Crowder. Um, Frank Gore, your best friend, is still out there. Mr. P. Ryan, the president of the fan club, is Craig Mish. We know that. So who knows? Maybe they can cover here. Is it two touchdowns already? Is that what the spread is right now? Is it 14 already? Not is yet. that what we're up to? Not yet. Okay. No. No. Uh, as of right now, uh, on FanDuel, mm -hmm. the Bills are minus 13, some spots 13 and a half. But next week against Kansas City, the Jets are getting 20. That's the look-ahead line, which would be the fifth highest spread of all time. So, wow. look, that could, change, that could change. But right now, that's where we're at as of this And week. that is in Kansas City, that game? Just pop it ahead yes. there? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, in that's Kansas going City. to be one to watch. So, remember, Miami, Miami last year was 20-point underdogs twice last yes, year. Yes, I remember. So in the early part of the season, once was against Dallas. I forget who the other one was, but maybe New England. Uh, I want to say against either. the Patriots. It was the other one. Yeah, it yeah. was the Patriots. So, so either way, the Jets are up against it. But if Darnold is in, I don't think you're going to see the line shift one way or the other. Uh, bottom line is a lot of points. A lot of points this week for sure. Okay, game two of the World Series is tonight. That tops our headlines here in hour two of our Fantasy Sports Today show. And clearly important game, more important for the Rays than it is the Dodgers, no doubt. Dodgers could really put a stranglehold on this series if they could somehow pull this one out tonight. Sterling Shepard back for the Giants Tuesday. Looks like he is a game-time decision against the Eagles on Thursday night. Joe will convince He'll pull this off this week, but he'll try. Lane Johnson expected to play for the Eagles. When he plays, they win. So maybe this is an Eagles win this week. Maybe not. Maybe they'll cover. Maybe they won't. And look, there's not a lot going on. So unfortunately uh, for the Padres, they're going to have to be without Luis Perdomo in 2021. But they'll find somebody else. I think they'll be okay without Luis Perdomo, who uh, pitched well at different times for them. So uh, last night, look, the, the story for, uh, that we're following today, of course, is the World Series, no doubt. It's been very entertaining all the way up to the postseason. Last night was actually the first non-entertaining game, and it was entertaining in a way. But, it, but look, last night there was not a lot of drama. You knew right away almost that the Dodgers were going to win. One of the main reasons why they win, and one of the main reasons why the Dodgers have gotten this far, there's no question, that they look different now that they have Mookie Betts. And Dave Roberts, the skipper of the Dodgers, after the game last night, talked about exactly the kind of player that we're all seeing now 
that everyone has known for a while. You know, I, I think it just speaks to he's just, you know, when there's things of it's whether it's a, a defensive play that helps a team or a base running play that gets himself into scoring position for a teammate to drive in a run, I think he just gets more satisfaction out of that. When it's a home run, which certainly helps the team, uh, he just doesn't um, care for the self kind of, you know, all, all the statistics. I think he just plays the game to win, and I think even better if other guys get the credit. And, and bets in his post game, that's kind of what he said. And so I, I think we do have a clip coming up later on of him. But what I do is after the games are over, uh, I just watch all the press conferences and see what they have to say. And that's pretty what pretty much what Mookie Betts does, Joe, is like they ask him a question. Mm-hmm. He says Kershaw was great. They ask him another one. He says Seager's great. They ask him another one. He says the catcher was great. And, and there are just players like that around the game. They're not great sound bites, but they're great players. That doesn't take away anything mm-hmm. from Mookie Betts, but he is one – that will give the credit elsewhere, and that's basically what he did, even though he was probably the reason why they're here right now. And that makes him a great teammate, and I think that's why everybody loves him. I mean, have you ever heard anybody say a crossword about Mookie Betts? I don't think I've ever heard it. He brings an energy, he brings a feel, not just to the clubhouse, but to the field too, and that's why I love watching this guy play. And I can understand people looking long-term and saying, well, he's a smaller frame guy and you know, great athlete, great wheels, all that stuff. Sometimes those guys don't age particularly well. This guy's a freak athlete, and he's been so good for so long, and this is also a player that moved positions too. People forget. He was a second baseman coming up in the Red Sox organization. They moved him to the outfield because there was some guy at the time there named Dustin Pedroia who was basically the captain of the team, and he wasn't going to get any at-bats there as long as he was at second base. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, Mookie Betts is a huge reason of why the Dodgers have been so good this year. The Dodgers have been good the last couple years, but it feels like this Dodger team in particular has a little bit more bounce at its step a little bit of a different energy and a different feel. And I think it's because of Mookie Betts, because I think a guy like that is just infectious on the field and off of it. He makes everybody better around him. And I'm happy for Mookie Betts having a good World Series game one. I hope it continues. But you're right. Yesterday's game was about two innings. And if you watch those two innings, you basically knew what was going on in that game. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I got to say, look, it's crazy to think how quickly, again, we react in sports. And I understand the Dodgers are up 1-0, but a week ago today, the Dodgers were one game away from being knocked out, down 3-1 in the NLCS. So let's see what happens with Tampa Bay. Clearly, if, if the Dodgers win again tonight, the Rays are in trouble. It's almost impossible to beat them in that amount of game. Dr. Chow will join us next. What's up with Miles Stanton? SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Each and every week, we get the latest on information behind the scenes as far as injuries are concerned. You need to follow Dr. David Chow on Twitter at ProFootballDoc, ProFootballDoc.com, and check out his podcast and his columns on OutKick for the latest in terms of injuries around the NFL. It's the most important segment we do each and every Wednesday here on the show. Dr. Chow, thank you again for coming on. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing fine, Dr. Chow. You know, normally we start on Sunday and sometimes even we go to injuries on Tuesday and Wednesday. But I got to tell you, Dr. Chow, there's a big game coming up Thursday night. 
maybe not in reality for a lot of us with the Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. Yuck. I mean, that division is a mess this year. But there are some significant injuries, again, on the side of the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's start with that. Miles Sanders, as we know, is out for this week. Dr. Chow, the question, can he be back next week? I think he's got a chance to be back next week. It's not guaranteed. The good news is we knew all along that he didn't tear a major ligament. And by MRI, I think he avoided a meniscus tear. Otherwise, he would have had a scope. So I think he's got a chance to come back. And obviously, the Eagles are the most beaten up team, especially on offense. And who would have thought that basically Carson Wentz, that many called injury prone, and I didn't like that terminology, is basically the last man standing. Yes, Jason Kelsey is playing at center, but he has a hip designation playing through. But everyone else on the offensive line, wide receivers, now both tight ends, Miles Sanders, it's red, 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 red everywhere on the Eagles offense. Yeah, no doubt. And I know that Zach Ertz is going to miss this game. And I saw I, I saw a couple things on, and I haven't really gotten an update. I don't know, Dr. Chow, if you have on Dallas Goddard, because boy, is he a valuable tight end when he plays. And I would think that if Ertz was out, the natural progression for us in fantasy is okay. This tight end is out. We plug Dallas Goddard back in. When is that going to happen? Well, Dallas Goddard had a chip fracture in addition to his high ankle sprain. And, uh, you know, his three-week injured reserve minimum stay is up. So he could be activated at any time. But until you see him practicing, uh, you know, you get a 21-day practice window. uh, He's not back. And, of course, this week is the very short week with the Thursday game. All right, so let, let's move on to the running back position in, in fantasy. And Matt Rule, uh, a couple days ago, mentioned that he won't bring Christian McCaffrey back until he's 100%. It could be this week. It could be next week. And and we know that Mike Davis has done a really nice job while he's been out. Carolina's done a really nice job, by the way, while he's been out, too. What is the sense with this McCaffrey injury, maybe from a conceptual point of view? Any chance we see him Sunday? Carolina best served to wait another week? I I don't think so because, uh, you know, I don't think anyone believes that the Panthers are vying for a Lombardi this year. And so what's the point? And, of course, with Mike Davis doing so well, the Panthers winning a couple of games, there's no pressure to bring Christian McCaffrey back. He's their long-term answer. He's the guy who got paid and the whole deal. So, you know, normally 85% is a good week you know, playing in week seven in the NFL. But when you're Christian McCaffrey and you have the Panther situation, I can understand that 95 is not good enough. They want him to be 100. And that's why I don't think it's this week. I think the following week, week eight, is finally the best chance. Now let's take a look at the San Francisco 49ers and Raheem Mostert, who when he's on the field is a dynamic running back that I think we all want to own in fantasy. And and I would like to ask you a question, Dr. Chow. When you hear that a player is injury prone, and that's sort of the, the thing that's now being called with, with Raheem Mostert, and there are other players around sports that are called injury prone, is that, is that a term that you would use with a player? Do you feel like more players are more prone to injuries? And does Mostert fall into that category? All right. Well, I'll be very careful in my choice of words here. I don't like the injury prone designation. Uh, Perhaps the only way I would apply it to somebody is if it's for the same injury or it's something that could be rehabbed or the same hit on this player injures them, but on another player, they're fine. Then maybe they're injury prone. But this is the game of football and it's a traumatic sport. Everybody on the field 
is prone to injury because football is not a contact sport. It is a collision sport with 11 moving pieces on the other side and 10 other moving pieces on your own side. So I don't like that injury prone designation as I inferred with Carson Wentz and Raheem Mostert here too. I mean, look, he tried to play through and he couldn't. And uh, I don't know that he's officially been put on yet, but I would expect him to get put on injured reserve and miss three weeks here. Very difficult to play through the high ankle as a running back. And he just got off the MCL spring. Yeah. Now, in terms of wide receiver, there, there's always injuries, but I haven't seen any significant this week. I think that we may have dodged a bullet with with key wide receiver injuries. You know, we talked a little bit about Mike Evans last week of Tampa Bay, and and I, and I want to talk to you about him again. I mean, Doctor Chow, he came off a of bye week, right, and, and and came back, or or maybe not. I'm confused here, but it, it seems as though he's come off time where he hasn't played. He still doesn't look like he's a hundred percent. He's more of a red zone target at this point. Uh, Godwin, of course, had a quiet game last week. They didn't really need him. But simply put, are we just not going to get the Godwin and Evans that we saw with Winston last year that we saw with Brady? And is it more of an injury factor than the quarterback? Well, you know, honestly, I think uh, the Mike Evans underproduction was as much to do with the scoreboard as it was to do with anything else, uh, given the the flow of the game and the game script. I would expect Evans to be pretty good by next week. He's probably isn't wasn't 100 percent this week and next week might be 90 95 but i expect some good production coming out of him and, and godwin's turning the corner too and it wasn't a buy but i think it was more of a mini buy because it was thursday that they right. were coming off yeah that, that's certainly what it felt like uh any any other key injuries this week that have caught you and when you were looking at it sunday or or, or i guess in this case two games monday that that are worth mentioning for fantasy purposes this week well you know obviously the you know the the the, uh, the superstars get all the headlines and Dalvin Cook with a bye week now I think can come back but I think what you really need to pay attention to and this is where profootballdoc.com can help is let's look at the Dallas Cowboys Zach Martin was the only healthy guy and then on Monday night he got a concussion the right and left tackles are already out the center's already out Travis Frederick the original center retired and Connor Williams is coming off an ACL are we shocked I mean we can't blame Andy Dalton for that performance I mean are we shocked at all and Ezekiel Elliott uh, fumble issues you look at the Eagles it's been the offensive line issues uh, you know the the Jets have had some the you know there's there's just a lot of teams that are beat up in what we call cluster injuries and that's what we try and sort out everyone knows Saquon Barkley tore his ACL and when Dalvin might come back, but it's the upfront injuries or the defensive line injuries of uh, who your running back is playing against. And that's what I would urge people to go to profootballdoc.com. If you're trying to decide between two guys, look at, look at, see how many opposing corners are healthy, right? I mean, maybe that makes the decision for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, by the way, we, we hit on uh, Sam Darnold last week of the Jets, and, and I feel like this may end up being a weekly thing. I, I don't know what to say about this at this point, Dr. Chow. It's very clear that Joe Flacco is not going to win a single game with the Jets at quarterback this year. And, and, and Darnold, you know, to me, I, I still think he's a good quarterback, but I can't figure out why he can't get back on the field. Well, if you have a minute, a couple of things here. First of all, you know, I for Outkick, I do these picks, and we're actually done very well this year, 22-7-1. And, and believe me, I struggled when I said, I'm going to lay nine and a half, ten points and take Miami. Who does that? Nobody. Well, against the Jets, you do, right? Yeah. And here's why. It's not Flacco's fault. you got to understand, it's hard enough to – 
get with a new team. It's hard enough to get with a new team in the pandemic, where there was only no offseason program and half a training camp. Joe Flacco had none of that. He only got off injured reserve from his neck surgery like two weeks ago. You can't just throw a Tom Brady into an offense. That's why he was doing all these offseason workouts with his guys there. You can't just add water in the NFL and play. But the other thing is, think about this message. If you work in a restaurant or assembly line or the medical world and you have a couple of guys that the management is paying to do nothing, do you work your ass off or do you say, look, I better take care of me. I'm not 100%. Sam Darnold could have played, but management is saying sit out the last two games because remember, he returned that same game. They're paying Le'Veon Bell to go play with the Chiefs. Yeah. Now they've traded a defensive captain on the D-line here. What What's the rest of the team saying? Look, if I'm 100%, I'm trying hard, but if I'm 85% and so-so, maybe I just take it a little bit easy here. I don't know. I, th- I just think it's a very difficult situation in New York. No, no doubt about it. Well, Dr. Chow, as always, thanks for coming on the show at ProFootballDoc. ProFootballDoc.com is the website you need to follow every single day. Thanks again for coming on the show. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Game two of the World Series is tonight, just after 8 o'clock Eastern. So, Joe, the question is, is that uh, can the Pizza Pia family household stay up for the whole game tonight? Any shot of that happening? <laughs> uh, well, me, maybe. Uh, my kids actually watched the fifth and sixth inning with me yesterday. So after we watched uh, a little bit of Friends, they're in their Friends Marathon right now. They're doing. They're up to season six. They started in the summer. I said, we'll watch a couple of those. We'll watch a little World Series. They watched the fifth inning and the sixth inning, or actually four, five, and six with me. And I actually did the same thing you did with your side. You said, hey, time for bed. World Series is over. <laughs> I said the same thing to them. I think this game is done. But they got to see the Cody Bellinger home run. That's right right around when we tuned in there. So uh, I will be awake. The kids are at their mom's tonight. I've got two shows to record because uh, Joe Pizapia never sleeps. But I will be awake for it because I'm already awake doing the shows. So there you go. There you have it. And I'll be looking forward to this one, too. This is Look, these are really fun teams here to have in the World Series because you have the big star, big name, big payroll Dodgers, the favorites. And the upstarts, the upstart Rays, and I think it's a great story for Major League Baseball. I feel like baseball always could use a good story and a good narrative, and I think last year you had the Washington Nationals being red hot and being a team that never got there, and that was really fun, and you had some stars there too, guys like Scherzer and Strasburg, but you also had emerging stars like Juan Soto. This is very different. I mean, there. I don't know if there's one household name on the Tampa Rays. Do you think there is to the casual you know, sports fan out no. there? I bet not. No, probably not. But I'll tell you what was really interesting. I saw that the the ratings for both the American League Championship Series Game 7 and the NLCS Game 7 were higher than any game of the NBA Finals, which I was shocked to see. But Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. stunning to me. I would never have thought that. Yeah. Huh. They, they outdid the NBA. So, All right. Let's take a look at Game 2 of the World Series tonight. Tampa Bay Rays at the Los Angeles Dodgers, of course, neutral site. Dodgers are minus 150 in the game on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Tonight's starter, Blake Snell for the Rays. Usually you know about Snell after the first two innings. If he's cruising through two, he can get through seven. If not, they'll be going to the bullpen early. 
and Tony Gonsolin, who was so good for L.A., very underrated pitcher this year in both reality and fantasy, not discussed not a lot, had a great season. Of course, L.A. has a one to nothing lead in the series. Now, in terms of Blake Snell, Snell is a guy, of course, who won a Cy Young Award a couple of years ago with the Rays. Has fallen back a little bit since, but still has elite stuff. And one of the players that he had the experience, of course, facing for a couple of years in the American League East was Mookie Betts, who will face off again tonight. And he was asked about that matchup and what it means to kind of have that competition between two players playing at that high level. Makes a lot of adjustments, uh, and he knows his swing, and he knows the strike zone, um, and that's what makes him such a you know tremendous talent at the plate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's the cool part. You know, he keeps growing, I keep growing, and then now that I get to face him again, it's cool to see you know just to learn what he's learned, you know how quickly he adjusts through that bat um, and stuff like that. But. I mean, he's one of the best in the game for sure. And, you know, I, I enjoy the competition, but I also enjoy that, you know, he's in he's out of the AL East. But it's going to be cool to face him now. I mean, I'm definitely excited for it. I enjoy the competition between them. So, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to it. But he's a tremendous talent. And, and Blake Snell is no stranger to this, Joe, because clearly he has his experience against those good Red Sox teams. Of course, mm-hmm. the Yankees team as well, and the Blue Jays this year showed a little bit. And, of course, the Orioles uh, had another tough year, although better than I guess some people would have imagined. But Snell is a little bit of a wild card, maybe similar to Glass now in a way. But Glass, I, I don't think anybody expects Snell to throw 112 pitches and walk six guys tonight. Like, I, I don't think it'll get that far if, if Snell struggles. But the Dodgers do take pitches. And they are very patient at the plate. But Snell is more of a strike thrower. So I'm curious to see how he does. And remember, some of the bigger bats on L.A. are better from the left side. Yeah, and look, Blake Snell has been up and down. Uh, Blake Snell has definitely been uh, up and down this year. And I think that if you look back to that uh, young year, we're still looking for him to kind of get back to that. And he might never get back to that. And I think when you're looking at fantasy baseball going into 2021, Personally, I have a, a much higher threshold for having shares of Tyler Glasnow than Blake Snell based on what I've seen this year. I feel like Glasnow is a is a stock on the rise and Snell is kind of leveled off a little bit. So it'll be fascinating to see if a, a big start tonight kind of reinvigorates that value because we all know sometimes that big start in the World Series or big start in a playoff or even two can really change how people perceive you going into the following year, which is silly because it's only a start or two, but it is the reality, unfortunately, in terms of fantasy. Now, a few years ago, Mookie Betts was on top of the world, of course, uh, winning an MVP. Also finished second in the MVP voting as well. He has been the star thus far of the National League Championship Series and the postseason. He didn't win the MVP of the LCS, of course, because Corey Seager just tore the cover off the ball. But from an offensive point of view and a defensive point of view, Betts has been must-see TV in terms of this series. And he was asked last night kind of when he feels like he turned the corner in terms of being the player that he is right now. Back in 2016, um, once I uh, came in second in the, in the MVP, I knew it was going to be tough for me to repeat that um, or, or get better. And I think I told myself I just want to be consistent. So, um, you know, watching the greats play, they're, they're, they're all just really consistent. You know, they, they – hit their home runs and you know constantly or driving runs constantly, walk constantly, make good plays constantly. That's not just 
one and then a long period of time before another one. Um, you know, you just have to be be good at all aspects of the game all the time. Don't take plays off. And that's uh, I think 2016 was when I told myself that's what I wanted to do. It's interesting to think, Joe, a couple of years ago, we were really disappointed with Mookie Betts' fantasy season. Remember that? He like wasn't stealing <laughs> as many bases, wasn't hitting as many home runs, and 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 kind of started doing what he's talking about doing now is just being an all-around consistent player, which doesn't show mm-hmm. as much up in the fantasy scoreboard as we'd want it to, but the reality scoreboard makes him a reality MVP. I, I guess the question would be is that because of this postseason, and let's just play along with the narrative that Mookie Betts has a great World Series and hits a couple home runs, makes some great defensive plays. Is it possible that he'll be overvalued going into the fantasy season in twenty the fantasy season in twenty twenty one because his play in reality has now gotten better than it is in fantasy? Weirdly enough, I think he's a top five pick or somewhere around there anyway. So I mean, it can't really get much higher than that. Uh, I would say that if people were going to overpay if you had him in a dynasty league, if they were going to offer you a couple really big pieces for him, you can consider selling him at his peak value. I think that's something you should always consider with a player in a dynasty or keeper situation because if he is World Series MVP coming off the huge contract and all of these things, you could look at yeah. it as his value is never higher than it is right now. So if somebody's going to give you, let's say, I, I mean, it's tough. I don't even know what the value of him might be. Uh, but it's got to start with another big-time offensive player. If somebody's going to give you a Freddie Freeman, let's say, um, like a low-end uh, first-round player and a pitcher or something else, I think you have to think about it. Now, look, it all depends on format, too. But Mookie Betts has also always benefited from being in good lineups, too. He's always in good lineups in Boston. He's in a great lineup now with L.A., and that's always a big positive, too. So in terms of value of Mookie Betts, look, the guy is already a stud. He's already a franchise guy. I can also understand, and you can make the argument that – I kind of mentioned it before, players of this body type don't always age well and this skill set, but I can't imagine a drop-off in the next three years. So you can say maybe this is the peak time if he has a great World Series to move him, or you can kind of look at it and say, hey, I got a three-year window here. Let me play in the Mookie Betts side of this uh, pool for a little while longer, and I think that's probably the better place to be. But I'll tell you what, I don't think this is an easy out tonight for the Rays with Gonsolin. I've been looking, I know when you were talking to Dr. Chow before, I was looking through some Tony Gonsolin numbers. You know, that two ERA is no fluke because you look at the fielder independent pitching, it is 2.31. So this is a guy that is for real, okay? He only walked seven guys in his nine starts this year. Seven, that's that's not a lot, in case you're keeping track at home. So he is one guy that is not going to hand you a base. And that is something that is really important because if he can do that tonight against the Rays and make sure there's no free passes and they have to earn it, well, that's pretty good because the one thing the Dodgers do is they play defense too. And I think that is something where, yeah, we're looking at Gonsolin as a drop-off from Clayton Kershaw, of course. Kershaw is a Hall of Famer. But Gonsolin is no easy out. And I think we have to kind of understand that and wrap our mind around that. And that doesn't mean that the Rays lose, that the series is over either because the Rays, I agree, are going to stick around and make this a series. But Gonsolin, I think, is a little bit better than people give him credit for. He was great this year, and the deeper stats prove that it was not a fluke. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me to see him pitch well at all. And I, and I thought that he should have been a strong candidate for Rookie of the Year. And the Sporting mm-hmm. News Rookie of the Year came out, and they gave it to Cronenworth on San Diego. But I think Gonsolin was better than him. I would have I would have given it to him for sure. So, so Betts is, what would you say right now, as far as 2021? Is he the second overall, third overall, fourth overall? Mm-hmm. Well, in the last what, what episode of Diamond Bets, 
the last episode of Diamond Bets that we did here uh, on the network, or, and you can find Diamond Bets, obviously, on Sports Grid on Demand on YouTube. Uh, we had Rudy Gamble, who I think you would agree is probably one of the best fantasy baseball people out there. And Rudy and I did a mock first round. And I think uh-huh. Mookie went somewhere around five. I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay. I want to say he took Tatis number one overall. Tatis. I took Juan right. Soto number two overall. We kind of went back and forth and did a little mock first round draft. And then, of course, you had Trout. You had the usual Acuna. suspects there. You had Acuna. Yeah. And then that's where the bets conversation. I want to say that's where bets was. He was fifth overall there in that conversation. Um, Yelich, it'll be fascinating to see because this was a guy two years in a row was right in that cop, top five conversation. But you can make an argument for him all the way at the bottom of the first round or even the second round maybe this year. I think a lot of people are concerned about Yelich, and that could be one of the things that makes or breaks your fantasy baseball team next year is where you get him and which Christian Yelich you end up getting. But in terms of the value Mookie bets, he is definitely, I would say, a top five overall talent, especially in roto formats. But even in points leagues, I would put him ahead of, say, Cody Bellinger even because of that ability to steal bases depending on the scoring system. Sure. And he stole 10 bases in a 60-game season. So, I mean, that's 25, 30 bases in 2020 right. for sure. Okay, coming up next, we got a little fantasy or reality. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll have more focus on Mookie Bet and some other movies. Go ahead. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. A very emotional Ryan Fitzpatrick holding a uh, Zoom conference a short time ago, as most quarterbacks do, saying he was shocked and disappointed. Uh, for not being the starting quarterback of the Dolphins anymore. I think that takes a lot of people by surprise considering how how great he's been and, and how much he's propped Tua up to start. So we'll have to get that video and audio for you and play it back on tomorrow's show of Fantasy Sports Today. Really interesting stuff for sure, no doubt about that. And <clears throat> excuse me, Joe, and one of the things that Fitzpatrick said, which we'll play for you tomorrow, is that he thought that maybe this past week is the last chance. Think about this for a minute. The last chance that he has to start an NFL game the rest of his career. And when you think about it, Joe, barring something unforeseen, he may not be wrong. I mean, think about it. Now, he probably will be wrong because someone will get hurt and he'll be somewhere else, right? <laughs> right. But if he if he retires, he's right. And if he plays anywhere else in the NFL next season, Joe, he's right too. He's he's not going to be a starter on any team in the NFL going into next year. So when you, when you stop and think for a minute, and Fitzpatrick probably thought it through, that last week could have been his last start. In the pros. It could have been. It could have been for a journeyman quarterback that I think could look back on his career and say it was a good career. I mean, he had some moments with Buffalo and then obviously some moments with the Jets and even some moments in Miami the last year or so that I think Ryan Fitzpatrick could look back and say, I'm proud of my NFL career. He's not all famer. He's not a pro bowler. But you know what? I mean, this is a guy that could play quarterback in the league for what, more than 10 years? Right, it's got to be ten years. We're coming off on Fitzpatrick, isn't it, or close to it? I'd imagine. Right, yeah. he's in his thirties, oh, isn't he? At least. Oh, more than that. <clears> yeah. I think it's got. <laughs> right, he's got to be in his mid thirties by now. I imagine it's it's very difficult. I mean, Our I concept mean, of time has changed this year. I have no concept of time. Two, two years ago, two years ago, he was the number one pickup in fantasy football after his week one performance for Tampa Bay. That's right. Right. That's like, right. Like he was yeah, right. going crazy for him. With the bucket, with the beard and the and the uh, and the gold chains and the whole thing, right? He was yeah. wearing Deshaun Jackson's clothes, which was, I mean, like just that moment alone. 
with the beard and the and the chains and wearing Deshaun Jackson's jacket was that's classic. That's great. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want on your team. And you know, every chance they get, they have to tell you in the broadcast that he went to Harvard. You know, they they never miss a moment of that. You always have to hear that every time. But this is a guy that's had a really good NFL career, and I think you're right. I think he's going to have a spot somewhere next year. It could even be back with Miami. Who knows? He's a yeah. very good backup quarterback to have a lot better than something else. I'll tell you this right now. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, would you rather have Fitzpatrick the rest of the season or would you no rather question. have Andy Dalton? No question. I agree. No question. Give me Fitz. Patrick. 100% yes. I mean, whew. I know, but the Dolphins are not giving him Dalton. No, but I'm just saying, like, if we think that Fitzpatrick is done, he's not done. And the only way you're right, he gets a start is probably if there's an injury or something like that. He'll probably be on an NFL squad next year. But, yeah, it's it's tough, man. I'm sad for him because it seems like now it feels like it's out of nowhere to him and nobody told him. And he was so excited for Tua. He was was jumping up and down the sidelines. It was all the positive stuff there for him. I thought that was great. I was like, what a great teammate, all these things. And he's supporting him. But – you know, I mean, there's a certain ego that goes along with being a great athlete as well. And that's, you know, certainly undeniable. There, and there is. Sad. And, and, and let, let's put this a little bit more in perspective. I've watched football a long time, and so have you. Do you mm-hmm. ever remember a quarterback being benched after a 24 to nothing win? Ever? In the history? <laughs> Ooh, that is a good question. That is, I don't. It probably has happened, but... 20, they'd be crushed the Jets 24 nothing, and then congratulations, you're out. I mean, yeah, crazy. who changes quarterbacks after a shutout victory? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that? Somebody's got to have that answer somewhere in some deep NFL stat cave somewhere. Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna, the next 24 hours is gonna unearth that, and we're gonna have the answer to that question. You know, that's that's one of the few things Twitter's good for. Somebody's gonna find the answer to that, but yeah, I mean, and, and they're relevant right now. And you can't deny that Tua probably gives them a better chance to win games if Tua is Tua. That's the oh, great yeah, unknown. I'm not sure. Is he ready? Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a very talented guy, but uh, I yes. mean, Fitzpatrick, they just won two games in a row. Sam, I mean, he went to San Francisco and had his best game maybe in five years. So He did. He did. I can understand his his uh, listen. He's been very he's been a very good soldier, as they say, but I can understand him being frustrated after this one. Nobody would have held. Uh, the Dolphins accountable had Fitzpatrick started the next two games and then they put Tua in there. No, Nobody of course not. Of course not. So, very, very interesting change by the Dolphins. Let's just put it that way. Okay, mm-hmm. fantasy or reality, let's get it started here as we close out our show here on this Wednesday. The uh, NFL trade deadline is November 3rd. I actually had to look that up. I did not know which day it was. Now I do. <laughs> so it is November the 3rd coming up in about a week and a half. Fantasy or reality, Joe, A.J. Green and not or. AJ Green and Julio Jones will both be traded before November 3rd. I'll also say on November 3rd. I'll throw that caveat in there too, to just to be more specific. So basically, both those two players are getting traded on or before the trade deadline in the NFL. I'm going to say fantasy. I think one of them will. Uh, and I think that one would be Julio Jones, because I think Julio Jones, people would look at it and saying, well, that's a game-changing guy. Like, he's still got something left in the tank, and although he's an older player at this point in his career, he is not old yet, and the body of work is so good, and I think Julio still has a lot to offer, and I think he immediately becomes a game-changer. I don't know if A.J. Green is that guy. If we're talking about it's impossible to get a draft pick for Le'Veon Bell, then what the hell are we going to get for A.J. Green at this stage? I mean, he had a good game last week. I don't want to take that away from him. He's had a ton of targets. He's had a ton of opportunities, but geez, man, he hasn't converted them. He's missed a ton of time. He missed all of last season. 
I don't know. I just I can't see it happening. Uh, if uh, if there was a, a place, a landing spot that I think AJ Green would actually be really good if they can get him, I'd love to see him in Green Bay. They desperately need another wide receiver, and to have him be a single coverage kind of guy just out there with Devontae Adams on the other side, that would be a good situation because Lazard's out for the year. So that would be a situation where I could see Green Bay's in. They know they're pushing. They're going to be aggressive. I could see that being a move for Green Bay, but I think Green ends up staying put because I just don't think the market's going to yield anything. Julio, on the other hand, that's a guy that I would still give up a draft pick for. What do you think? Yeah, we see it actually completely differently. I, I say fantasy hmm. also, but I say Julio stays, and I say AJ Green goes. That's the way that I ah. see it, and and I think yeah, I I think I don't think Green is a hot commodity by any stretch, but I think the Bengals would be willing to give AJ Green away. I don't think if it's they fair. get anything for him, they'll even care. And if Green Bay offers them a fifth with a condition of based on how well Green plays to give up a fourth. I think that probably gets it done. He's not playing in Cincinnati. He's got no future in Cincinnati. The two guys that are ahead of him are playing much better in Higgins and Boyd. He's a he's essentially a free player, and and I I could even see the Bengals doing a you know like a bell and even cutting him. So if they can get anything for him at all, they'll take it. And maybe he resurrects his career, as you said, in um, maybe as a possibility in Green Bay. So I mean, the other team yeah, that I always never rule out of this stuff. The, the other team that I never rule out, I know that it's far-fetched or whatever, it always seems like when a really good veteran is available, they end up in Seattle somehow. And I know it doesn't, wouldn't make any sense, but it's like, nah. I feel like Pete Carroll's always grabbing these guys that like and trying to make something out of it's, nothing. That was before so, DK Metcalf, I think. Before DK Metcalf has solidified himself as a number one. Look, I don't think, I think you want to take the ball out of that guy's hands. Yeah. Right. But, but look, Lockett, who knows? Maybe I look again. I'm just throwing darts here. I have no idea. I, I, I think Atlanta would be crazy to move Julio Jones. I don't get that at all. So I'm going to say uh, fantasy. And I think one of the two is dealt. And I'm going to say that it's AJ Green. That's who I'll go with it. Okay. Let's move on to our second statement of the day here on Fantasy Reality. Mookie, right? That's his first name. Mookie Betts is the most popular Mookie all time <laughs> in sports. So is that fantasy or reality? This is tough because I, of course, have a New York bias to Mookie Wilson. Uh, the only other two Mookies that I can even name are the character Spike Lee played in Do the Right Thing. He was Mookie. And Mookie Blaylock of right. the Nets, who I got to meet with That's Willis right. Reed. My dad took me when I was a I got all the Mookies. Those are the four Mookies. My dad took me to meet Mookie Blaylock and Willis Reed, who at the time I think was Nets GM. And it was like a signing at a local clothing store. And I got to meet Willis Reed and get a picture taken. And I got an autographed card there from Mookie Blaylock. But, I mean, it, I think it's hard not to say that Mookie Betts is the most Mookie of all the Mookies, if you will. Mookie Wilson will be, always be special in my heart because it's the happiest baseball moment, and maybe even of my childhood, the Mets winning the World Series and that at-bat and him obviously you know, getting down to first base as that ball goes between Buckner's legs. But uh, I think probably Mookie Betts has surpassed him, don't you think? I do think so. I am going to say reality, but I would take nothing away from Mookie Wilson, who, if you asked anybody... 50 years old or above, they may say Mookie Wilson. You know, name a Mookie in sports. The first name could be Wilson. Very possible for that. But yes, for anybody younger than that, there's no doubt that Mookie Betts, you mentioned Spike Lee's character, Mookie, in Do the Right Thing, also very popular. And I think Mookie Blaylock comes in fourth, but it's a strong fourth. I, I think that if you said who is Mookie Blaylock, most people would remember. He was a really good player. It's a good name. And I, I love Mookie. Mookie's a great name. name. I if I ever get a pet, I might name it Mookie. Uh, consider, it's under consideration. Mookie, Mookie's good. My, my friend's like cat was named Mookie. Yeah, I remember that. 
All right, let's close it out here. Now, here, uh, from one good name to another, this is Fungi, okay? okay? Fungi the dolphin. Now, there's this dolphin in Ireland, the story goes, that is 27 years old. And for 27 years, this dolphin is so friendly that it has been swimming around in the ocean in Ireland that people actually go on tours to meet this dolphin named Fungi. It swims near the boat, interacts with people, and it's a wild dolphin that has been around for 27 years. Uh, one day last week, in Ireland, they went out for the tour. No, Fungi was a no-show. Obviously, some very disappointed people that didn't get to see Fungi. But now the question is, Joe, Fungi has still not turned up. And according to scientists, what they're saying is this shouldn't be all that surprising because dolphins usually don't live to be more than 30. And so this is within the range of Fungi's age. They have called on a search committee to try and find the dolphin. They have been unsuccessful. We'll have to update the story for you as we go along here on Fantasy Sports Today. Fantasy or reality, Joe? Fungi the dolphin will be found. First of all, reality, great job here by Danny and Brett for this uh, that picture of Dan Marino and Ace Ventura with the dolphin. That is money. Well done, boys. Well done, all the graphics people and everybody back in the, uh, back in the studio. Well done. Uh, I'm going to say... Um, fantasy they do not find fungi uh, oh. although it could also be it's 2020 maybe he's just quarantining because of coronavirus i mean dolphins are mammals after all so who knows maybe it's just a covid thing maybe he's like you know what i'm just gonna stay in my own part of the ocean i'm gonna wear my mask i don't i want to social distance away from all these tourists and all these people that could be it too so i, I don't want to lose all hope but you know at 27 that seems like a pretty old dolphin like they're saying so it's hard not to think the worst in 2020. I'll hold out hope, Craig. But how about you? You think Fungi's going to make a triumphant return? And if so, uh, can he kick a field goal, just like the uh, dolphin in Ace Ventura? Right. Uh, Snowflake, was it? Was that the name? Snowflake. Ace Ventura. Snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> the things that yeah, we I'm know, gonna, the useless say information is staggering. <laughs> it's a very unfortunate ending, and, and we're going to hope for the best for Fungi. We, we definitely will, will update this story for you if, if there is an update to it. But look, if the scientists are saying that most dolphins only live between the ages of 20 and 30, which is, by the way, is a long time for for an animal of that nature. Uh, I'm going to say fantasy, and unfortunately the fun for fungi could unfortunately be over. And I, and I know that that upsets a lot of people in Ireland. I saw the video that they posted online of fungi swimming with the people, and that's so sad, man. It's because, to just oh, lose fungi it. Just one baby boy, the sea, yeah. the sea is calling. Oh, fungi, there poor fungi. They, you know what? We should all go to the pub and have a drink and remember Fungi. That that's going to be the very Thank Irish you. thing to do for all. Of us. Little little cheers to Fungi. Life well lived. There you go. <laughs> there you go. God. Coffee cup for you, Fungi. Where did you find all that right. story? That is the question. <laughs> that really is. That's the that's the better fantasy area. All right, we'll be back to wrap it up with the Sports Grid sixty. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Our first deep dive into week seven of the fantasy football season is tomorrow here on the show. Andrew Erickson will join Joe, so make sure you tune in to that. But before we get to tomorrow, we got to finish up with today. And for that, we end with the Sports Grid 60 as I turn it over to Joe Pizzapia. Joe, what do you got? Well, the Vikings only have one win so far this year. But don't worry, you can't lose this week because you're on a bye. But what Vikings team is going to come out of that bye? That is the question. That one win that they have is against another team that has only one win on the season, the Houston Texans. Now, to a certain extent, the Vikings can kind of control their own destiny, as crazy as that sounds. They're going to play two more games against Detroit. They get a rematch after the bye with the Green Bay Packers. And they have successive games against the Cowboys, the Panthers, and the Jaguars. So maybe it's too soon to write them off completely, but I want to see what Kirk Cousins and what Zimmer have when they come out of this bye and if the Vikings can somehow, some way, salvage what's left of this season. My gut instinct says they can't, but I think it'll be fun to watch. All right, I'll I'll stick with the NFL a little bit and stick with a couple of one-win teams as they force it down our throats. It's Thursday night football coming up tomorrow night. We got no choice, folks. This is the NFL game that we have to watch on Thursday. If you choose to, you can choose to watch something else, but of course the World Series is taking a day off, so unless you're into Arkansas State College football, this is the game for you. Giants and Eagles, we'll preview it tomorrow here on the show. Giants are 1-5, Eagles are 1-4-1. and one. How did we get here? How did we get to the point where one division in the NFL is just so much worse than the others? I mean, even in the division that Joe was just talking about with the Vikings, you have the Packers are pretty good. The Bears are having a good year. Even Detroit is only one win away from being 500. This is the second straight year that some of the most storied franchises in the history of the NFL is by far the worst division in the league. So here's my message. Get it together. Can just one team, even if it's Washington, get too close to being to 500? Because the nightmare that's going to be presented in front of us is that someone is going to win the division, someone is going to get in the playoffs, and if they end up winning a playoff game, it's going to be looked as a farce. Too many teams in the playoffs. So I'm begging you, Giants, Eagles, Washington, Dallas, get a win, please. I guess somebody will win tomorrow night. That's the good news. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to Danny and Fred for our folks at OPN and my co-host, Luffy Zapia. I'm Craig Mish. Have a great Wednesday. See you tomorrow at noon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.